Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Davis, Director of the Ohio Department of Developmental Disabilities, and we are here, lucky to be here, right, with Dana Charlton, who is a longtime professional colleague and friend, uh, and I'm an admirer, and she is currently and has been for a while the Executive Director of the Ohio Self-Determination Association. And Dana and I work together for many years right here at this very department, right? We certainly do. And I learned so much from you. So it's nice to have you here. Thank you. It's really nice to be here. I so feel you're doing... honored to have been asked. Yeah, we'll cut that out, right? <laughs> no. As you edit, we'll do that. So, Dana, where do you want to start? Perhaps for, for those, why don't you give a little history? Because your history is fascinating. You've been through so many transitions of our system. I have. And in... To me, the fascinating thing about all of it is that um, I never planned to be in this system at all. Um, I ended up at Columbus State Institute in 1973 as a remedial academics teacher in their sheltered workshop, which was in the basement of a residential building. Um, I don't know how more isolated one can get. I, uh, I think my starting salary was a little over $6,000 a year. Um, I was there. That was some time ago. That was some time ago. (laughs) Um, I was there through um, sort of an Armageddon kind of thing when the new superintendent came in and decided the place was no longer going to warehouse people but would start to train people. Um, Deinstitutionalization started. In those days, people had two choices. Well, maybe three choices. They could live in an institution, live in a POS-funded facility, or live at home with no support. Um, Then I worked in central office from 81 to 88 in a variety of positions that supported county boards of DD. Um, Was then an assistant deputy director until 2000-something, three maybe, for community services, and then the deputy director. You were instrumental in, in bringing up our waiver services. I was involved in that. I, I guess one of the things that I would like to say is how pleased and proud I was and still am when I heard you talk about your priorities for the system as director. That's very nice um, of you. Especially the, we, we all need to start being nice to one another Um, I don't think you use the words giving up our power in order to empower other people. Being a friendlier uh, system that stops saying we can't or we don't have enough money, but starts asking, how can I help you get what you need? And, you know, maybe I can't do this or I can't fund this, but if you want to go there, these are the things we can do today to help you get there. You know, and there's nothing in my mind any sadder than hearing a family member or someone with a disability speak up to someone in the system and say, this is my dream or this is what I want next week. And instead of accepting that and talking about it, the response that gets heard is, sorry, can't do that, but if you want this, you can have it. Well, we have to. We don't. We we always have to try and get as far to yes as possible. I believe that. Always try to get it and do it in a, such a such a respectful, kind way. Why don't we chat a little bit about 
And I assume at some point, self. I hope that self-advocacy goes, that term goes away, right? And we'll, I agree. And we'll get to <clears throat> just this is a natural part of, this is just what you and I do all the time. It should right. not be an event to right. feel like I have, that or an accomplishment that I've, that I've just shared my, you know, right. feelings or, or my thoughts, my thoughts. So, but you, you've, you've really shepherded this, and so we can, we can go wherever you wish, but ultimately we want to get to Project Stir clearly, right? Okay. Because it's just really cool. And um, so talk about where you see the evolution, and, and then I would just love your vision where, because it is a journey, but Absolutely. I'd love to escalate it. I'd love to escalate us down that path. Tell me what you think. Tell me how we're doing and then where we're going to go. Well, I guess I would start by by kind of going back to what I said a second ago. And I think think your priorities are the right priorities in order to move the system to a better place for families and people with disabilities. Um, SSA staff throughout Ohio are clearly in the pivotal seat to make a significant change. And they get a lot of support, but they need a lot of support because they have probably the most challenging job of anybody next to the direct support person that probably has significantly less training opportunity and experience when they first walk into somebody's home. Um, But I think SSAs and direct support staff share a couple of significant things that we need to figure out how to change and it's probably going to be it's going to be similar on both of those sides but there's probably going to be some differences it's my belief that neither direct support staff nor SSAs are sufficiently empowered to respond and make decisions when people with disabilities and families either say, I don't want this, or I'm not comfortable with this, or instead of that, can we do? I think they feel restricted by too much focus on compliance and paperwork, both, Um, and a fear of citations and sanctions if the compliance isn't done. And I know at one point when you and I were working together in the department um, back in the 90s, we tried to come up with with a kind of rule review tool to ask the same questions of all regulations to determine whether they were restrictive for people with disabilities and families and the system or if they would be supportive of self-determination. I think it was a great effort. I don't think it worked. Um, it helped. I think our rules are much better today than they were back then. Um, but we've still got to move somehow away from such a strong focus on, on paperwork and restrictive rules and try to come up with a focus on supporting people in those critical positions to listen and respond to what people with disabilities and families say they need and want. Yeah, can. Um, so empowerment of folks in those two positions is, is one thing that I think will help. Both are kind of in jobs that isolate them um, for different reasons, 
Um, I think the isolation on the part of an SSA is directly related to the unique needs of the caseload that they're working with and how that relates to their knowledge base and what they know about the resources. Um, whereas the isolation of a direct support person has more to do with they're usually the only person in the room or within any immediate um, contact when they're interacting with someone with a disability. And, and I think that would be really scary. Um, so I think empowering people in those positions and um, connecting them in some way, different ways, with peers are two things that could um, lessen the anxiety and reduce the focus on always looking at rule compliance. Not that that's not important, but, you know, the restrictiveness of it. I understand. Um, the other thing that... that I think will really change the system, and this is a nice segue in my mind to Project STIR. Um, it, it's like back in the late 50s and 60s, this state had nothing. We wouldn't have a county board of DD if it hadn't been for families and people with disabilities Correct. putting their voices together and saying this is what we need. Um, and that's, even though we've gone through significant changes in the system since the 60s, that's still the biggest change that ever happened. And I don't think our system will ever change significantly in the future until people with disabilities and families have a true voice. It's a loud voice. It's a voice that's respected, a voice that's listened to, and you no longer hear people say, well, I don't want to bring it up because I'm afraid of some sort of retaliation. I might lose what I have or I'll make somebody mad. Um, and that's kind of what Project STIR is all about. It's leadership training taught by people with disabilities to people with disabilities to help them and their allies find a voice. And their allies are sometimes SSA staff, sometimes parents, sometimes direct support people. Um, and the, the training is for all of those folks, and they're all treated pretty much the same. And they all, every single time, seem to react to it in an extremely positive way. All right, so how many... How many individuals have, have we trained? trained? Yeah, any idea generally? We, we have a general idea. We, we at um, trying to think, probably in 2014, we were keeping a little Word document and we could go in and count. And at that time, we had, had trained 550 yeah, people fabulous. with disabilities around the state. Yeah. Um, since 2015, we have done between four and five training sites every year and have had anywhere from 28 to 34 people with disabilities present, um, most of whom had their own ally. Sometimes one ally will come with three or four people. So, you know, what, five times three is 150? Five times 30 is 150 mm -hmm. times, where are we, six years later? Yeah. 
so we're probably well over 1,200, 1,300 people with yeah, disabilities right now. Truly. You are driving sort of a, right, uh, a change in how individuals think about themselves. Think about themselves, yep. absolutely. Um, and you talked about how, you know, early on, you know, how we sort of need to rethink things. So how, do, how would you suggest that we, you know, as professionals, what are natural next steps with professionals to sort of get us farther down this path towards? Uh, well, I, I, you know, our, our history and our system condition us to behave in certain ways and to rely on certain tools. Um, we do rely on laws and regulations for big picture guidance. So I think we need to be real careful about the messages we send when we write those. Um, we also rely on processes and cookbooks, um, guides, forms to... Um, to try to help us be consistent and um, move in the direction and do the things the way that is intended, I guess. Um, I have probably not been more impressed with any set of tools in the last several years than I have with charting the life yeah, course. good. Keep going. Tell us why. It, so it's a tool for a family member or a person with a disability to, to not be caught unprepared or, or have to respond on the spot. Um, at the end of the third day of a Project STIR training, thanks to support from the department and DD Council, we've now incorporated into Project STIR that every person who goes through the training will chart their own life course. And they will leave the training with this four-page life course portfolio at least partially completed, enough that they know how it works and it's personal to them and they can take it and do more or whatever. So that's going well. It is. Um, we're also giving them a letter to their SSA that says, I've been through this training, I've charted my life course. That's fabulous. Um, we want you to take a look at it and tell us how you can help me get where I want to be. So what have we missed? I, I wish we could somehow get past the historical conditioning that has been done to professionals in the field, people with disabilities and families to kind of accept the roles that, you know, yeah. as a person with a disability and a family member, I'm kind of at the mercy of. Right. And so very true. As a staff person, I'm overworked and undersupported and fearful that I'm going to make a mistake. Um, and we need to, we've got to change that. Mm -hmm. People have got to be empowered. You've been instrumental in our system. Thing. Please do. Well, we, we talked mm -hmm. just a little bit about connections and mm -hmm. Connections are, are something that all of us rely on, and people with disabilities typically don't have any or have very few. Uh, that's a great point. Um, 
And the ones that they have are the ones that they see every single day. Yes. So there's never an opportunity to learn from someone new. Yeah. Um, one of the things OSDA has done is to create at least four times a year where Project STIR graduates from all over the state can come together. Um, and they love it. In places where either OSDA has done um, regional-wide networking meetings or where entities like um, SOCOG have done it, there's a huge response from people with disabilities and families and staff because everybody's kind of stuck in this information vacuum, and they don't meet people and they don't learn things. Um, County boards have are in the middle of changing their role. Yeah. They're no longer going to be a direct provider of service. Um, it seems to me it would be so easy for each of the 88 counties in Ohio to begin to really increase and improve their systemic support to self-advocacy networking. Um, and it could be as simple as simply every two months or once every three months Finding a location, uh, setting a time, sending out an announcement, and creating the environment or the venue for people to come together and hear someone speak about something relevant. And then you just ask those folks, do you want to come back? What would you like to hear the next time? Um, and it, it just, it could open up a whole new world to a whole lot of people. I think so, too. I appreciate you joining right. us. It's been absolutely fabulous. and. We'll do this again. Okay. We'll do Sounds this again. Good. We love what you're doing. We're working on it. We're very grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me.